ladies and gentlemen, it seems we have a problem. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TopSpeed.com podcast. TopSpeed.com is your home for all of the greatest automotive news, reviews, and crazy motorized stuff happening on the internet. I am Christian Moe, and I am joined today by Justin Coupler. Justin, how are you? Doing well in this rainy Tampa afternoon. All right. Weather's kind of nice up here in Tennessee. It's really good to have. Mr. Mark McNabb is also joining us. Mark, how are you today? Uh, sir, I cannot complain. I'm doing pretty good. The rain has not reached me yet, so I'm still dry here in Orlando. All right, good to hear. So we have one soggy host and two nice and sunny guys. So we'll see how that affects the podcast if Justin gets all sad on us. All right, so welcome to the TopSpeed.com podcast. This is the first in a long and fantastic line of podcasts to come. Uh, today's big news that we're going to cover is all about Geneva. The Geneva Auto Show was last week, and that has dominated all of the headlines. But first, let's go ahead and we'll start with our weekly wheels. Mr. Justin Coupler, what is in your driveway this week? Well, today I am on a bit of a uh, lull from the press cars. Uh, so all I have out there is my nice brand new shiny uh, Forte 5. And in my garage I have my Mazda Speed Miata. Uh, the last press car I had was <laughs> the Kia Soul, the mightiness that is the rolling cube. What do you, what do you think of the Soul, actually? Um, to put it briefly, on the inside, it's fantastic. It was the soul, the soul exclaim, or explanation point, as I called it. Um, on the inside, it's fantastic. Leather interior, the audio system's real nice and sweet. Those little glow rings on the side are kind of cool, a little tacky, but they're kind of cool. Um, but coming up from the outside, uh, I kind of wanted to vomit. <laughs> so, okay, it's a nice place to sit, but not a nice thing to look at. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely not fun to look at. It was nice though because it's black and gold. You know, my favorite football team, so that made it a little easier on the eyes for me, I guess. Well, we're not going to discuss football teams because you picked the wrong colors, Mr. Mark <laughs> McNabb. Mr. Mark McNabb, what was your last piece of press machinery? Uh, my last one, sir, was the Forerunner, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was quite nice. So the Forerunner, huh? Did you yeah. actually take it for running and go off off road anywhere? I did. I had the trail package, and so it had all the nice stuff. It had the, uh, you know, obviously four-wheel drive locking differential. It had the really cool um, Land Rover-esque rotary dial that could dial in the suspension as to whatever terrain you were on. It was very nice. Um, and I say it didn't even get bogged down one time in the, the loose sand and dirt that I had it on. So I was impressed. You didn't try and fit it with, like, 33-inch boggers and go nuts? Yeah, well, no. I should have, though. Well, you're nearby Auburndale. You can take down to the old mud hole down in Auburndale. <laughs> well, I didn't want to break it, so... That, breaking press cars is bad, and we'll just leave it at that. Um, my car of choice that I've had, um, I actually had a Subaru BRZ, which turned out to be interesting. Yeah, why do you say I that, did. sir? It's, um... It's so good and so terribly bad. Well, let's say, what, what, what transmission did you have in it first? I had the manual. It was, it was okay. straight up enthusiast. It was, you know, engine, manual transmission, rear-wheel drive, as it should be. But um, I can tell it was built by a Subaru. Um, I've, I've owned Subarus, and I have many friends that have owned Subarus, and... As much fun as they are to own and drive, none of us have really had great experiences with them. And I could say the same thing for the BRZ. The most fun in the world to drive. Like, it's every bit as good as a Miata, if not better, to drive. The way it handles, the way it feels, it's just great. But my model had 6,000 miles on it, and the passenger side window was broken, and it had a rattle, and all the interior materials felt cheaper than crap. And lots of other people that I've discussed this with who actually own these cars all say the same thing. They're fantastic to drive, but they're kind of falling apart around them. So it was a good car, but the answer is still buy a Miata. Now, how many of those sparks did you break yourself? None. It showed oh. up that way. So the oh. biggest one was the window. It's got this thing where it's frameless windows. So you go to pull the door handle, the window drops a little bit, and you shut the door and the window goes back up. Mm-hmm. 
except the window doesn't go back up. <laughs> but only on the passenger side. And the driver's side window switch to control the passenger window wasn't working. So if someone got into or out of that passenger side and I started driving down the highway, I'd get a terrible whistle, and I'd have to reach across the cabin to get to their side switch to roll the window up. Interesting. Um, apparently it's a huge issue, and you can reset the window switch using a fancy little bit of clicking and up and downing on the switch a few times. Uh, but apparently if it gets cold, it'll break again. So, yeah. Super fun to drive. Still buy a Miata. Did you check to see if there's a, a TSD or any kind of recall or anything from the dealership on that kind of stuff? I know it's not our responsibility to do that, but did you look it up maybe for customers? I, or I did, readers? and I couldn't find anything. That's actually how I found out about the forum people going, yeah, if you just do this, it'll reset the switch. You're fine <laughs> until the next time it gets <laughs> The most annoying thing was the door rattle. The locking switch, if you turn the radio up at all, would rattle unless you locked it. But of course, the car doesn't. The car doesn't have an auto locking system of any kind when you start driving, so you have to manually reach over and flip the switch. So until so, you figure that out, you just drive everywhere with the door rattling at you. I didn't think there were cars that didn't lock automatically. Yeah, I didn't think you could get this anymore either. So. I mean, my dad's 1993 Geo Metro locked automatically when we were five miles an hour. <laughs> if if it had auto locking, it didn't work. <laughs> That's probably the case then. Still, incredible fun to drive. All right, so we have our little trio of machines in the driveways, but let's move on to the real big and real important stuff. We have Geneva, and there's a lot to talk about. First thing I want to start with is the TT Quattro Sport concept. Oh, oh yeah. Um, the TTRS to me, I think, is one of the coolest cars Audi's made in a long time, and now that they have like a meaner, more angry, more powerful version of that car, and I'm just like, yeah, I'd buy one. What do you guys think? Well, the, the first moment, I, I didn't really get to read much about it because the news just kind of passed my desk, um, but the first moment I saw it, I nearly thought, oh my god, that's, that looks like it's going to be the TTRS because they didn't release one. Uh, when they first let the press release about the TT, all we got was the plain old coupe with you know some diesel engines and and the TTS model. So the first thing I saw, that, I'm like, oh yes, TTRS. But then I read deeper, and that's just a, a concept. So I, I I fell in love with it, but then I kind of got depressed because it turns out they're probably not even going to build the thing. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to build it, but 420 horsepower, so they should. <laughs> should yes, yes. Horsepower is always the answer. <laughs> Isn't it, though? The answer is it not is. Miata. The answer is horsepower. That's right. And torque, and torque. Don't forget that part. Mm. Don't forget about that yes, part. Those are important, too. Well, torque is the best. That's why I drive a diesel. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so I think that the TT Quattro Sport is probably one of the biggest enthusiast announcements they had, even though it'll probably never be made. But um, for me, I think my favorite car of the show is probably the Q50. Oh, the Eau Rouge. Yes. you even say the Eau Rouge? Eau Rouge. Well, in it's French, so. But, yes, that car is, I think, the best car that's ever going to be made in the entire world. I'm just, I'm just saying it now. I mean, you take a, a GTR drivetrain, you put four doors on it, you're, you have amazing, plain and simple. It, 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 take, it takes a GTR and makes a car that people can actually put a family in or maybe take groceries somewhere in. Uh, possibly yeah. even a little bit quieter than the than the actual GTR itself. <laughs> Maybe it won't rattle your guts loose when you hit a pin on the side of the road. <laughs> That's I have I have spent a lot of time behind the wheel of GTRs. Um, I've driven two of them and I've put almost two thousand miles behind the wheel of a GTR between those two cars, and it's a fantastic machine. But yeah, it's way too loud. It's way too uncomfortable, and I think for an everyday car, the Q50 is going to be better. Plus, yeah. I think the Q50 is going to be cheaper than a GTR. Oh, it should I don't be. know about that. Think I'm about not... the market they're targeting. They're looking at like an M5 fighter. Yeah. If you're going against the M5, you have to price like the M5. So you're looking at eighty grand. That's $20,000 less than a GTR for a nicer interior and four doors, but you do lose a little bit of speed. The, the problem is with the GTR, though, most of what you're paying for is... The drivetrain. You're not getting you're not getting much else besides the drive. You're getting some stuff on it on it, but not not very much. Most of it's all all motor, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and you're taking that drivetrain, putting it in a bigger car, 
with more features, I can only assume it's going to be as expensive, if not maybe more. Ah, and I think that's part of the secret to it, is now that Nissan is putting that engine in something else, uh, the engine won't cost as much, because they're just putting it in more models to make up the cost. If I think for that car to be competitive, it needs to be no more than 85 or 90 grand. Like, like that has to be the absolute top limit of that car's price tag. That is true. I didn't, I didn't think about it in that manner. You know, you take it and put it in another car, you are diluting the cost a little bit. <clears throat> Right. I mean, the only thing that they could potentially try to swing is if they're going to say it's a competitor for like the Panamera Turbo, which Jeez. gets closer to like <laughs> 120 grand. Yeah. But I don't then know. The price if that's starts the going up. Right. I don't. I don't know if that's the market they're going to target. But yeah. what are they going to? What are they going to call this thing? They can't call it the Eau Rouge. They got to call it. It's going to have another name. It's going to be an IPL. Is it going to be? What's it going to be? Q50 awesomeness. <laughs> the awesome sauce. Q50 badass. There you go. Yeah. The Q50 red ones go faster. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mark, do you have a car or two that you picked as a favorite from this wonderful auto show that we have? Uh, you know, I really I love the new Lamborghini. Um, it's very, very nice. Just the way it looks, I think it's quite a, a new approach. It still looks like a Lamborghini. Uh, but the new interiors and everything on it, um, you know, I think it's it's going to be a little more refined than the ones in the past. Um, it's going to take where the Gallardo, you know, left off, and I think it's going to expand on that um, and make it kind of the, I don't know, the Toyota Camry of Lamborghinis. You know, you're going to see more of these than anything else on the road. Well, that's that's probably a, a given, but do you, do you think it really looks like a Lamborghini? Of course it does. I mean, it's oh, yeah. you know, it still has the grill and it has the all the fins and it looks like it's moving 100 miles an hour just you know sitting in your driveway. But um, yeah, I don't I don't think it doesn't look like a Lamborghini. I mean, it's like they took it and put four doors on it. It looks like a Lamborghini. I mean, they they took some of the cues from other Lambos and put it in there. I think the Gallardo was the one that really stuck out. By the time they discontinued it, that one stuck out horribly by then. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I guess so, but I, I think what I expected more of was not just a, look, it's like a Gallardo, but it's a little smoother. Because <laughs> to me, that's what it looks like. It's it's pretty. Yeah. I will give it that. It's pretty, and it's kind of mean looking, but but it's like, look, it's a swoopy Gallardo. <laughs> I don't know. I want a cream <laughs> dog. I don't know. Good. It's it's not curvy by any means. I mean, it's quite angular. So, I I don't think it's swoopy. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty. That's that's all I gotta say about it's that. It's that front it's, three it's corner view. Like like the way like there are all those flat edges, but it like curves from the front point up towards the top of the car a bit, a lot more than the Gallardo did. And it's just like yeah, okay. Perhaps. Yeah, I can see that, but. I don't think that that devalues the the image of the car at all, though. Um, just looking at it. Well, no, it's still pretty. And by God, if they ever called me and said, "Do you want the keys to this?" I'd be on a plane in a heartbeat. Of but course. <laughs> <laughs> I just want a forty-seven foot wing. That's all. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Everyone could use more Kintosh. There you go. Do you have the anything else cars. from the? Uh, do you do you have anything else from the show you like? Uh, the Alpha 4C, that's uh, that's another one, the Spider. Um, it's a beautiful car. Um, it's not it's not my favorite, but I just there's something about it that it just it just seems right. A um, little bit of Ferrari in the back panel. Um, it's very different up front. I'm so happy they finally got rid of the bug eye headlights. Uh, they went with something more traditional. Um, but of course, you can take the top off. I mean, how cool is that? So. Nothing to complain about there. I, I I really have to agree. Like there are a few things in this world that are better than an Italian sports car, but a topless Italian sports car is one of them. Yeah. Yeah, the four C was one of the few cars I looked at and said, man, if I had the money, I would probably literally trade my Mazda for that because I, I love my car and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, and that was one of the cars I said, you know, and I could see myself getting that car and loving that car just as much as this one. Um, unfortunately, it's a little bit out of my price bracket, but <clears throat> it's definitely what I looked at. I could have could have easily saw myself trading and making payments for the next seven years on. Right, yeah, <laughs> definitely one at least to keep your eyes out for a used model in a couple of years. I, oh, of course. I, I definitely agree with that. 
Um, I still don't like the shape of like the inverted weird kind of smudgy teardrop shape of the headlight casing, but the new car looks just very, very pretty, and I really yeah. want to drive one. What I like about it is, is is that different look that you're talking about. I like the fact it doesn't look like anything else on the road. All these cars now are, are, are kind of stamping out kind of similar stuff, and the 4C just stands out. It, it looks yeah. different. That's a very important thing. One thing that I love about it is it looks completely different. That's actually one of my favorite things about the F-Type. Like, you just look at it, and you just go, that I want. Yes. Totally agree on that. And another thing about the car, too, it just looks so eager. Like, the front end just looks like uh, it just... You know, it's it's itching to get down the road, and that uh, that you know that inverted triangle with the grill and the the bow weight coming off of that, uh, creasing into the hood. I just think that looks so great, and how that matches up with the bottom of the uh, the A pillars. You know, there's just something about that I like. It's it's got really good proportions. It it really does. Um, you know, speaking of pretty pretty Italians, we haven't talked about the Maserati Alfieri concept. Oof. That mm. yes. I, if if I could marry a car shape, I'm sorry, <laughs> wife. Wife, I love you. If you're listening, I do love you. But yeah, I would I would marry that car and tell you to go away. <laughs> it is most certainly um, one of the sexiest Tridents I've seen come out in a long time. Um, yeah, a company that's been stagnant for a long time, except the Ghibli. I give them that on, on the Ghibli, um, but. It's been stagnant for so long. Um, it was nice to see a concept come out that actually goes, wow, that's nice, and it has production value. It has a chance of making it off the production line at some point. Yeah. Uh, potentially potentially soon. Um, I wrote the piece on, on that one, and um, in the press release they gave out, they had a few quotes from uh, one of the head designers of the project, and the car itself, their show model, is a running show model. It's built on a shortened, sort of chopped chassis from the Grand, the Grand Turismo car, replete with that 4.7 liter V8. And uh, he said in the little PR blast that um, they could see something along those lines be released. Like two years is a normal sort of time frame for what they yeah. could be aiming for that car. So that's very exciting. It's not just a... It's not a Subaru concept where it looks really pretty, but you're never going to see it. Gosh. Doesn't that piss everyone off? Oh, that angered me so much, especially the WRX made me real mad. Yeah. <laughs> they it's just, I mean, like, awesome concept. There's a big change. Yes, 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 come on. And ugh, it's a crappy sedan. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, the same, with the, the same with the Legacy concept. It was a beautiful mm -hmm. car. And then when it came out, it just looked like a kind of reshaped the current model. Like, ugh, totally. Like, you just wasted all of these uh, beautiful sculptors, you know, their time. Just threw it all away. Right. Yeah. Well, even 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 at Geneva, they had the new VZiv 2 concept. That, like, yeah. essentially, it's going to be the upcoming Outback, and it looks awesome. Mm -hmm. It is like I have said that unless something really nice comes along, I'm probably not going to go back to Subaru after the issues I had out of mine. Ouch. But like, yeah. But if that is the way the Outback looks, I will buy another Outback because I do miss the abilities and the space of my Outback. And, like, it just looks so good. I would consider trading in the Golf to get an Outback if it came out looking like that. But no, you could put it, it up with the issues. Yeah. You know what? Even if the head gasket still bursts, I don't, I don't <laughs> care. All right. Uh, Justin, do you have anything you want to add to our conversation about awesome choices from Geneva? I have three, and I'm going to pick one. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Jaguar XE. Um, very important car, this. Very. Um, it's Jaguar hitting a very important mark that it hasn't hit since, I think, maybe the X-Type, if that. Um, oh, sorry, my yeah, computer just went for a second. <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, um, it's probably been a decade or so. Yeah, and it's a, new, it's a new market they haven't been in in a long time. And from what we can see on the front end of this thing, of course, they don't see the side or anything, and, and some of the chassis stuff, it looks like it's going to be phenomenal. Um, in a 3 Series, is going to have something that might have to look over its shoulder at, and then BMW might have to start rethinking its design process with some of these things. Because BMW is another one of those companies like Bentley and Rolls-Royce that's very intent with saying, hey, it's a next-gen model. No, it's not. You change the headlights, you push the grill forward a little bit, you brought the headlights to the grill. Uh, okay, the, only, the last big change we saw with Beamer was getting rid of the bangle design. Yeah, yeah agreed. Um, 
it's especially with so like the ATS has jumped in the, in the market and it's getting a lot of rave reviews. A lot of people like the ATS. And with Jag coming out with this XE, BMW really needs to kind of step up their game because unfortunately they've been able to slack off because even though they're hey look it's kind of a new car it's still always been better than everybody else so they have no reason to really spend the money to change it and that I think is the most exciting part for me about the ATS and especially the Jag XE is the Jag is going to be pretty and the Cadillac is pretty and they're both gonna be good so it's going to push BMW to make a better car yeah, neither one is going to outsell the 3 Series. We know that. Uh, the ATS may come close, but neither one's going to outsell the 3 Series. But the two put together can force BMW's hand a little bit to say, hey, okay, let's change this thing up a little bit. <clears throat> right. They don't have to outsell it. They just have to take enough sales away to make the Bavarians notice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, BMW has had such a comfortable lead for, what, 20 years? It's crazy. Um, no one could ever touch the 3. Now all of a sudden these cars are coming out, and you know I think it's it's time for them to wake up. And if they don't, you know they're going to have a rude awakening when it comes to you know sales report numbers. So. Uh, yeah, I mean you still have that Roundel badge that is worth its weight in myrrh, but yeah, it allows you to put plastic cladding on the side of your three series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there anything else you enjoyed from the auto show besides the Jag, Justin? Well, a big one that we talked about before that I don't know if I'm in complete agreement uh, from you two is the, uh, the Fiat uh, uh, 695 by Posto. I'm sorry, that thing is a race car with a hatch on it. Um, the biggest thing I, I found simply amazing was the dog box transmission. I'm typing this in because I'm actually writing the review. I'm typing up, and yeah, okay, it's cool, 190 horsepower, 30 more than the regular 500. Okay, awesome, all this stuff. Um, and then I got to the transmission. It had a dog bone trans or a uh, dog box. That's you don't see that in a in a street ready car. Um, you don't you always get you always, anymore. Yeah, you always get synchros, and it's a, it's they're quick shifts, but they're still slow because of synchros and everything. And you can't shift fast because you can blow up the synchros. This thing, you can jam through the gears as fast as you want and never have to worry about it. It's going to be loud as all can be, but you don't have to worry about slamming through the gears. It's I am kind of excited for that car. Um. I got to test the uh, 500 apart, the standard one, and um, that is the best worst car in the world. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, Wait, what's, what's your hang-up on this? Okay, um, the suspension is kind of terrible, and the interior, like, half of everything's terrible, and the other half of everything is perfect. Like, you sit bolt upright really high. Like, um, a buddy of mine, he also had one to test, and he described it as sitting on a pickle bucket. <laughs> he used to work at, at a Dairy Queen and sat on pickle buckets all the time. So he's like, it's like sitting on an inverted five-gallon bucket. Like you sit really high and it feels not very stable, and then you take a turn and the car leans. It feels like forty degrees, but once it hits that point, it stops and the car sticks and you go through every corner. I mean, just perfect bang on line, but the car feels like it's gonna fall over on you, and it makes the most terrifying ruckus noise out of the tailpipe. It sounds like an old Group B rally car, like. If you were 17 building the perfect car, that's what you would build. But it's like two grand more than a, F a Fiesta ST, so it's a terribly stupid car to buy. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's wrong in so many ways, but in other ways it's really good. And so that makes me super excited for the 695. Something about a little tiny car that's that fast, that agile, just really gets me going. I don't know what it is. It doesn't have to do 200 miles an hour for me. It doesn't have to go to 60 in 2.8 seconds. I just get excited that a small car like that, that's just that incredibly, as you say, stupid. They're just ridiculously built. <laughs> small car fast is always better. Yes. Yeah. It's all about the feel of it, too. You know, I mean, it could be a really slow car, but as long as it feels like it's going fast, that's that's all that matters, right? Yeah, very true. That's actually the base 500. Um, if you go drive a base 500, the car has literally no power. Um, I had to almost redline it to do a hill start once on a fairly steep incline in first gear. Like, <laughs> no power. But So everywhere you go, you're going like 15 miles an hour on the way to church, bouncing off the rev limiter with tires squealing around every corner. <laughs> it's, it's the best thing in the whole wide world. That's so much more fun. Right. You should never drive into a job interview, though. <laughs> I'm sure there's a backstory there. That's not a good first impression. Let's hear it. 
Well, I'm just I'm thinking, you know, especially like the Abart model, the one I had was white with white wheels and a red stripe, and you're going to show up like handbrake sliding into the parking lot for your job interview at Walmart or something, and it's be like, hooligan, no. <laughs> well, you don't have to necessarily pull up the handbrake. <laughs> yeah, every, no, you have to. It's required by law. Oh, okay. You have to handbrake. It's in the owner's it. manual? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only way to stop the car properly. That's right. The only way. <laughs> Besides hitting a tree, of course. I'm not going to hit a tree now. <laughs> no trees. The car is too small to hit a tree. Like, no one really realizes it, but that car's almost a foot shorter than a Mini. Wow. It's it's tiny. Let me say, when, when I park my Miata next one, I feel big. <laughs> All right. Uh, does anybody have any other cars that they think needs mentioning from Geneva before we move on to what we think the best cars at the, at the show were? Well, the Rolls Royce Ghost I got to touch on, the, uh, the Ghost 2. Um, <clears throat> it's cool to see uh, them rolling out of Series 2 after a few years. That's nuts. Rolls is, is stubborn. They're like a mule. You can't make them change. They keep on going with the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, and, yeah, the Series 2 is not a full overhaul. It's, it's more of a touch-up here and there. Um, but I, I love the fact they actually just rolled one out, a new one out. Um, I like the fact they kept that V12 engine. Yeah. Um, that, that's phenomenal. Some of these car companies now going to V8 engines, but, but apparently uh, they decided to stick with the V12. I'm sure eventually they're going to drop down to V8 or at least offer a V8 model. Um, but there's a big but about that, the Series 2 uh, ghost that I talked about in one of my articles. Why did they have to go to Chrysler to get their headlights? Did they really have to walk up to Chrysler and say, hey, we need a set of headlights to have a 300C. Get them, shave them up a little bit, put some LEDs inside of them, and slap them on the front end of the ghost. They definitely did that. Yeah, and the old ghost headlights, I hated. The bags under the eyes look, I hated. But still, I, I don't like the fact they practically ripped off the 300C's headlights. Well, but the 300 was claimed for ripping off the rolls to begin with. So maybe they just decided to change things around. Now, we, yeah, it's like, so Rolls is like, we spent money on a design you used the first time, so now we're going to make you pay for our design this time. That's true, but it's okay for a cheaper car to copy an expensive car. Do you really want to take buy a $200,000 Rolls that has headlights you can pick up a price for? Yeah, okay, fair enough. I just suddenly thought of a Rolls Royce drop head with the top from a Cavalier convertible. <laughs> ouch. Ooh, ouch, ouch, ouch. Of best have you words. ridden in a Cavalier convertible? I have. <laughs> so has I. That's what's so funny. <laughs> so definitely the worst car ever made, I swear. Speaking of best worst cars ever. <laughs> All right, so that we actually that's quite a lot. Like Geneva was a big show this year. There was really a lot, a lot going on. Um, it's really exciting. Geneva's been a little stagnant for me. I think the last couple of years, it's not been that ex exciting. So I like to have all this new stuff that's making us all talk. Well, also, the last couple auto shows have been pretty darn boring. There've been one or two big releases, but nothing big coming out of anybody. We had yeah. the, the the Stingray, uh, the, Mus the Mustang didn't come out of the show. Um, that's, we didn't have anything big here lately except one or two cars per show. Um, so it's nice to see a whole bunch of nice new stuff coming from big-name manufacturers. Yeah, it was like everyone was just like, let's just hold it all for Geneva. No one else will do that. Oh, everybody else did that. Yeah, everybody sandbagged it. <laughs> uh, you know what I really want to see built but probably never will be? Um, that design study that the kids from Turin did for Hyundai – their little, like, four-seat oh, yeah. Um Oh, what was the name of that thing now? I can't even remember. Is that I'm going to have to start start, start Googling. Hyundai mid-engine. Oh, uh, it was very different, wasn't it? Yes. It's the Paso Corto. There we go. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it was uh, the one done by the design school in Turin. Um, it's... I mean, it looks kind of like an Italian sports car. I mean, it, it looks like, I think, a better-looking 4C. Four, four maybe maybe not as curvy, but I like the front end of it a little bit better. Yeah, it's, it's possible. But, I mean, seeing something like that come out of Hyundai is, is pretty slim to none. Yeah. Right, and it's like that's what makes me sad is that I know Hyundai helped give them the go-ahead for the project, and it's like a big school thing. But it makes me really sad that all this effort and time was spent on a car for a company that will never build it. Because that could be an impressive machine. 
Well, do you think that Hyundai is positioning themselves to compete with the FT1 from Toyota? Um, if they did, I don't think they'd go with an F-Plan style car with a mid-engine. They would do a more traditional, they basically just probably take like the, you know, the two-liter turbo that uh, they have in the Genesis. I mean, that's, that's basically their FT1 competitor now, and they could try and make a lower weight version of that car. But I don't see them doing, doing something like this. Just, it's, it's not quite their thing, I don't think. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, this, this, this car, the Paso Corto, it really, to me, it looks like the Toyota FT1 because it's still, it has that very angular, futuristic, um, menacing-looking appearance to it that um, is really kind of unique right now at this time in the market. I just, you know, I see a lot of Toyota in this car. I can, I can see that on the, on the front end, but, like, the back three-quarters of the car is not that at all. And, in fact, yeah. to me, I think the back end of this car is what I wanted the Lamborghini to look like. <laughs> Does one of the car look like that, really? Uh, yes, no, the back end of that. Looks like the back of the head of Alien, I think. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> look, at, look at all the holes and the cuts and the shapes <laughs> and the bends and that weird pointy ducktail with the oh, huge tail light on the back of it. Like, yeah. So ugly, it's good looking, I guess. <laughs> right. To, to each his own, man. I don't know about that. Again, just... apart from a few small things like, like the Mira, Lamborghinis never made pretty cars. They make awesome cars. Oh yeah, no one will ever call a Lambo pretty. <laughs> right, but and like the back of this thing is awesome. It's not pretty, but it's awesome. Well, one thing we have to remember though is is Hyundai is you know I mentioned before copycats. Um, Hyundai is one of the biggest copycatters in the industry, and we all know that. Um, so they could well be waiting for for Toyota to figure out what they're doing with the FT1 and the uh, and the uh, the Supra. And they may go ahead and release one a few years, a few years down the road, and, and kind of copy the design and mimic it a little bit to try to snag some buyers that can't quite get up there and afford that one. I mean, you have the Equus, you have the Genesis uh, Genesis van. I mean, they they all copy off of one uh, off of a off Mercedes pretty much. <clears throat> well, right, but I mean, they're still just trying to hit markets that aren't being hit. You know, that's I don't know, like. Some of their older stuff, like especially the first gen Genesis, I would I would give you a, a copycat. But it it sort of seems like they just go well, like everyone else does. This kind of car is making money, so we're gonna make one. There's like yeah. everyone who's doing the four door coupe that started with the Mercedes. You know, everybody has one of those terrible, stupid things now because Mercedes did it and made money. So now everybody wants to do it and try to make that money. But I just, I, I don't ever see Hyundai trying to do a mid-engine sports car. Hyundai, they, they, they can shock you. Um, Hyundai's up to some big things, and like I mentioned before, with Kia and the Stinger GT and all that stuff. Um, Hyundai's, Hyundai and Kia are in some, in some big developments right now. I think. Uh, so this is a possibility. And like you said, they wait to see uh, if it was going to work, and then they made the first gen Genesis look like a, a, a Mercedes, basically. Uh, so they may be waiting to see if the Celica, or not Celica, the, uh, the Supra or FT1 actually takes off. And if it does and it's making money, they can say, okay, well, then let's go ahead and leech off them for a little while. All right. Well, Hyundai, if you're listening, please make this because I think it's awesome, and please let me drive it because I love you. And please leave the alien back in because he likes it. Yes. <laughs> Just for his car. Leave my, take that off my car. Just leave his. Yeah, but then the back of a car will look boring like every other car. It will just be flat and rounded with some taillights in it. That's what, that's what the consumer likes. That's right. <laughs> I don't care. No. Automotive journalists don't care what consumers want. Exactly. What are you talking about? We're a rare breed. <laughs> We're a bunch of idiots that like hatchbacks. Something that's like right. That. And diesels. Yes, diesels. Diesels. 500 oh. horsepower, 90, pound, or 90 horsepower, 500 pounds of the torque. We're good. Oh, yeah. hatchbacks, wagons, Jaguar, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, AFRS yes, Sport yes, Brake. Yes. What a beautiful oh, car. car. Holy cow. I would sell everything I own to make that my daily driver if that was released in the States. Well, let's hope let's hope you get to do that because I mean I'm so happy that wagons are they seem to be on a return, you know. Um, everyone was kind of shocked when Cadillac spent time doing the CTS wagon. It was like, you know, no one's really gonna buy that. And um, nobody did. Nobody really did, but man, wasn't it a great car though? Um so, you know, maybe with Jaguar doing this and, um, you know, it's maybe they're going to make a return of the States. 
Um, it's not something we did, but I did read a spot somewhere where someone was speaking to Ian Callum, the head designer at, at, at JAG, and he said he wants to see the sport brake sold here, but it's not going to happen. No, it's, the market's not here just yet. It's getting right. here, but it's not here yet. Right. We're, we're still too in love with our SUVs to go back. It's, it's our grandparents' fault. Like, like that's the problem, because our grandparents drove these really terrible wagons, and so all of our parents are like, I'm never going to own one of those terrible, stupid things again. You know, and so the they're the ones buying all the car, right? They're all, you know, <laughs> 30 to 60 years old, essentially, like that generation, and they don't want wagons, and they're the ones with the money to buy new cars, so none of the companies are making them. Okay, but just... our kids, I think are going to have it made, because when I'm 40, if there's, I will move to Italy to buy an RS6 Avant or a Jaguar Sport Brake. And so my kids will learn to love these things. And how can you not be able love to buy it? Them. How can you not love it? All that power you can, I mean, go get groceries sideways. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Break all your eggs by the time you get home. Yeah. I just, and, I hope they have those little hooks in the back. You can put the grocery bag, hook it over. Because when you're drifting, the groceries tend to kind of slide around a little bit. Right. I broke eggs that way, actually. Because <laughs> you take a turn hard enough, and they swing out away from the wall, and then when you whip back the other direction, they slam against the wall because they're pivoting on uh, the Okay, from now on, anytime any of us test a fast sport break, that is now the new test. How many eggs can you break during your test? <laughs> Fantastic. You heard it here, people. The, the exclusive topspeed.com, oh shit, I killed the eggs test. <laughs> It, it, it's so scientific. And my wife would get a kick out of it because the first thing she says when I grab the, uh, the grocery bags, don't break the eggs. So. <laughs> and then and then maybe later we can do like a bread smashing test to see how hard trunks close. Awesome. That sounds good. <laughs> sounds like it'll be expensive. I'll, I'll get that comp, guys. Don't worry about it. There you go. I can, I can just see it on my taxes now. I get audited. It says here you purchased 9,000 eggs in the month of April. About that. It, it, it was for work, I promise. <laughs> just include a link to the article and you're good. <laughs> there you go. The IRS will love it. Uh, but no, well, seriously, on, on the, the, the wagons, though, you know, I really feel like that could be the next... Um, I guess step after you know we had the SUV, then we're kind of going to the crossover. Once people get fed up with the crossover, they're going to look for something else. Don't you think that the kind of the wagon is going to be there to kind of step up, possibly? Well, I do. I, th I think it is, and, and that's what I was saying about like right now. Nobody who's buying cars and can afford to buy cars right now wants wagons. But in 10, 15 years, when we're doing the whole kids are off to college, sort of have extra spending cash, wagons are going to be a big thing and we're going to be able to buy them. So while it sucks to hear about all these cars that aren't going to make it to the States, by the time we can afford to buy them, I think they're going to be here. Yeah. That and two of the new CAFE standards coming out, you know, wagons are obviously going to be a little more efficient than like an SUV or at least a crossover. You know, people are going to need the extra space. They're going to have that in the wagon, you know, more so than like a just a regular sedan. Yeah, we're, we're always a few years behind Europeans anyway when it comes to design. Though. True. We, we were slowing the hatchback, you know, now we're slowing the sport brakes. So we're, we're always a couple years behind it. We'll see them over here eventually. I hope so. I need more wagon in my life. I need a lot more wagon in my life. I need a lot more powerful wagon. Yes, the, powerful wagons. The uh, Cadillac, I, I did have the opportunity once to sit in a CTSV on an empty runway and be taken from one end to the other. Mm -hmm. oh. That sounds delicious. It was kind of a religious experience. <laughs> um, I, I still hold to this day that that's probably the best all-round car you can buy. I would agree. I would agree, yeah. yeah. Um, it's almost, like, total size, it's almost the same size as a first-gen out, out, Outback. It sacrifices a little bit of rear storage for some extra rear seat legroom, but overall they're about the same size, but you get... 556 supercharged horsepower yeah. and rear-wheel drive and a manual and Cadillac niceness. I mean, the one I was in was the Black Diamond Edition with the black Oof. Alcantara and the black wood. It was it was really nice. I dug nice. it. All right. Well, so I guess that's enough with what we love. Let's talk about what we really, really love. Let's actually try and hand out a few awards. Um, these are totally 100% official, and we're gonna make some statues out of paper mache. Spray yes. paint in purple. Um, what do we think is the prettiest car of the show? 
That's a tough one. Um, God, I don't even know where to start on that, that one, to be perfectly honest. Um, I've already got mine. I think the Maserati was the prettiest car at that show. That's definitely up there on my list. Um, you know, I didn't like the huge chrome vertical slats in the front of the grill, but overall, I think that's probably the prettiest car I saw at the show. Yeah, I... I know something about the... Um, um, I'm drawing a blank now. The, the Quant eSports limousine. Um, oh, the eSports e limousine. Yeah, the one that we just posted about. Um, yeah. That thing is... Downright gorgeous. When I yeah. first, when I first did the article, I wrote the initial one, I believe. Um, everything is very bare bones. There's no information about it. I was expecting a big crappy limousine, uh, and when it came out, it looks just like a whole lot of sexy, really. And there's um, was it eight thousand pound feet of torque. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's completely insane. Gold wing doors. The front end looks like a cross between uh, I don't know a. 12C and Beluga Whale, a Maserati or something. I have no idea. I think I think the nose actually has a little bit of the new Porsche 9, 918 in it also. That's yeah, what I'm thinking. I would, I would yeah, say. that's yeah. exactly it. Yeah, I was drawing a blank on that one. Thank you. I mean, it's it's interesting. I think that you're silly for calling that prettier than the Maserati, though. I don't know. I have a thing about that. Just the look for some reason gets me. Maybe it's the power. Maybe the power has me blinded. I don't know. But maybe. Maybe. Go ahead. Uh, maybe something about the just the overall power has me completely insane, but I think it's a sexy looking car. Uh, yeah. The interior is way over the top. No way that will ever make it for production. No, I mean, I doubt the car in general will make it for production. Yeah. But just the combination of speed, size, and you know the drivetrain just really does it for me. All right. well, it's huge too. I mean, you know, the the sheer size of it. It's oh, like yeah. wide and like, like I don't know what, seventeen feet long. It's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, it's a land barge. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's sixteen two point eight. Oh, of course. <laughs> and it weighs five thousand pounds. Yes. Well, that that sounds impressive, but I've almost done that before. I've been lucky enough to be a passenger again, just a passenger, not behind the wheel, unfortunately, of an XJL supercharged. Ooh. Uh, 500 plus horsepower, and that car is also, I think, 17 feet 8 inches. Nice. It's, it's yeah, it's it's like that 17 feet mark, and that'll also hit 60 in like three and a half or four seconds. It stabbed rat. That's about all I can say about that thing. Something about um, being a car that big, that fast, is scary but fun at the same time. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying. Uh, Mark, do you have anything to add to our prettiest car of the Geneva conversation? <sighs> You know, everyone's going to hate me for saying this, but I don't know, the, the McLaren uh, 650S Spider. I really like that car, and I know it's everyone's going to say it's just a refresh, but it really is pretty. I really like that car. Okay, well, I mean, ev everyone's entitled to their own wrong opinion. Um, <laughs> I, love, I love the power. I love the car. I hate the look. I, I, I just can't stand the fact that they're trying to repackage this thing as a new car with a different name. It's not. It's 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 a, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's the, the normal car with a little bit of restyle. That's all it is. It's and that's fun. That's true. You know. And, well, but, hey, it's worked for BMW for like forty years now, right? <laughs> right. Well, and it and it also works for their competition. Um, the problem that they have is it had a terrible name to begin with, with 12C. But yeah. like Ferrari, and again, this is almost a direct result of Ferrari's new 458 Special, which like that's what this is. And the Ferrari is the same thing. It's a new car with a new name, but really it's just a better, faster version of the old car. But you can't call it the 12C 650S because then it starts getting annoyingly long and complicated again, which is why they yeah. cut the 12C to begin with. But the thing is, you know, Ferrari kept the 458. They kept right. the name there. So they, they didn't try to rename it and say, hey, yeah, it is a new car. They, they, they claimed it as a new car, but they left the name so you knew it was related. So people yeah. see the 650S and just 650S, drop the M for it. Leave it 12C 650S. I think that's fine. I guess so, but I don't know any person who's in the market to buy one of those who's going to look at it and not just know, because it looks exactly the same. That is absolutely true. I mean, when you're when you're talking that kind of power and, and all that, who really gives a crap? Yeah. <laughs> right. And and you know, I again, I think you're both wrong. It's not the prettiest car there, but um, the the 650s is attractive, and I like the fact that it doesn't have a top on it because you know 
infinite headroom. Sun sunshine cures lots of ales. So yeah, all right. You guys are both wrong, but I'll let you have it. Um, what about the ugliest car at the show? Oh, I've got the oh, answer on that. Uh, uh, uh. You're gonna beat me to it. I know you are. <laughs> well, let's, I think let's hear it. I think we've got the same answer. Um, I'm gonna go with a Jeep Renegade. Huh? <laughs> 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 oh my god! Yeah, it's it's for me. It's not vomit-inducing quite that bad. It's just <clears throat> if it was anything other than a Jeep. I think it would be okay, but yeah. the fact that it's a Jeep, it just—it's not manly enough. It's not—it doesn't have that that macho feel, and that's what a Jeep needs. You know, if it was like a, you know, a Kia, that'd be fine, but it's not. So yeah. that's where I think it fails. When when they first brought out the Jeep Cherokee, okay, first all that oh. I'm like, oh my god, that thing's so ugly. But you know, I, it grew on me. I understood where they're going with it. And I got used to it. And then you saw it was yeah. a little manly. It did have some oomph to it. You could take it off for once you, once yeah. you put the different packages on it. But this thing, it's a, it look, it's, a, it's a cube. I mean, they had the cube. They already had a cube. They have the Wrangler. That's your cube. That's your little your little cube. Leave it there. Why do they have to release this 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 Fiat Panda in a different dress? Yeah. You well, see, that's so, actually the thing I think works the most about it, though. Actually, for for both your point, is it's a Jeep. It's supposed to be just a big slab square thing with wheels on it. That's what Jeep is. That's what Jeep has been since 1940s. Yeah, but they always had that manly tone to them. Not to sound sexist, but they always had that manly feel to them. This doesn't have it, you know. The company. Well, okay, you got me there. Diving <laughs> delivery, okay, yeah. Yeah, those but, don't count. <laughs> yeah, those don't count. Okay, we're not talking I'm just about saying, that. that's two other cars, so they already have a legacy of less masculine Jeep. Those were yeah. terrible. I, those need yeah. to be barred from existence. Yeah. But, you know, I think possibly the Renegade is going to really work well in the foreign market. You know, that's where I think it's going to exceed. Yeah. Um, here, you know, I was, I was talking to Justin the other day. I think it's going to be that sorority girl type, you know, hey, it's a really cute car. I can fit all my friends in and go to the beach. That's, I think it's marketplace. As sad as that is. Well, as long as it sells. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, it is. You know. It is always a money game. That's that's the long and the short of it. Um, I do like the blacked out grill though. I think that is kind of cool. Like I look at it, I'm like, there's there's some features. It's it is kind of ugly, but it's not the ugliest thing I've seen. Um, you know, there are uglier cars in the world. Um, oh, one sure. of them. One of them. Um. And this kind of goes to an earlier conversation, so this kind of go with me here. The Subaru concept that is the new Outback was very pretty, but when it comes out, it's going to be a terrible slab of ugliness. So I'm voting that concept as the ugliest car of the show because it doesn't matter how good it looks, they're not going to make it, and the other one's going to be really ugly anyways. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. But you know, <laughs> talking about showing some ugly off a of, off of future. It's not even out yet, man. You will have ugly babies. <laughs> it's like telling your infant child, you're telling your infant child, yeah, you have ugly kids, sorry, but... Yeah. You know, well, you, know you would hate to be a, a Subaru um, designer, knowing that you know it doesn't matter how much work you put into this car, someone is going to throw it out, and they're going to they're gonna build whatever they want to build, and it's going to be some bean counter doing the design work on it. I know, it's so depressing, because like, deep down in my heart, with all the issues I have, I still really, really love a Subaru. Yeah, nothing, they're so cool. Well, nothing quite drives like them, nothing quite feels like them, nothing really sounds like them. They're just unique in a lot of ways, and I want that in my life again. But I had so many issues with mine, and they keep making these beautiful concepts that come out ugly, and they break my heart, and I'm just womp womp. Yeah. yeah, I had a Subaru back for a while, and I didn't have a single problem with it. Uh, I thought it was really? a great car, to be honest. Yeah, I had what about a, year I had a hundred and uh, it was one of the first things, like two thousand one. It was right after they changed the name Outback, the, the official name to Outback. Yeah. Uh, it's like two thousand one, somewhere in that range. I can't remember the exact year. It's the LL Bean edition, so it had everything in it. So maybe that's what I like so much about it. But I never had an issue with it. Really? And how many miles did it have on it? When, um, when I got rid of it, like one hundred and eighty, one hundred eighty thousand, somewhere in that range. Did you ever have the head gaskets done? No, no, never once. Was it V6 or four-cylinder? It was the H6. Okay, so sorry. So the six-cylinder, I don't think they have as many issues. Um, almost every four-cylinder four car, 
still has the head gasket issue. Um, yeah. I know of a guy who bought uh, 2008, I think. 6,000 miles later, head gaskets went. Oh, I, had, I had a 2000, and the head gaskets went. And the interior was falling apart. And the transmission exploded. And because it was the first year they made the Outback, the, apparently they had issues with the, with the transmissions in general, and they changed it for 2001, so I couldn't get a replacement. It was a one-year only. So, yeah, I had lots of problems. And they also have issues with their turbo cars, and that's what stopped me from buying a WRX. If you open up the hood of a WRX and look where the turbo is, and the heat pipe that comes off that, like where all the heat from that turbo is, is directly over the passenger side CV boot. Oh, bad place. Yes. Oh, my. Um, what engineer thought of that? Um, and it's been that way for a long time. Um... Know a friend of mine who had a 2000, I think it was a 5, out, uh, Forrester XT, had to replace that CV axle, uh, I don't know, every 20,000, 30,000 miles or some crap like that. It was like a yearly issue that oh, it would rough. burn through. Yeah, it would just cook that axle grease in there, and like you have to replace that CV. And um, on the 2013 WRX, uh, or the 2014, whichever one they had the special edition, the pumpkin one, the orange and black one, same yeah. thing. Had had one of those show up in the press fleet, open up the hood, cooking the CV axle. I think so, it's time for a, a $10 heat shield. Yeah. Yeah, uh, basically. And it's like, so it's those little things that keep me from owning one because the wife wants one again and I want one again. And every time I see one of these concepts, I'm like, I want you so bad. But then they come out and they're ugly. And then I hear about all the things that break and I'm like, dang it. But, Subaru, if you actually build a good car that looks like this, I will buy one, because I really, really want one again. I miss my Subaru. You know, Christian, I have to admit, though, I really like the XV Crosstrek. As weird and donkey as that little car is, I think it's really cool. I have to agree with you, Mark. I fell in love. I, I didn't like it at first, but after so long of looking at it, I kind of fell in love with it, and the, the, the shape, the size is just right. It, it's lifted up high enough to do a little off-road. It, it's actually a nice little combination. Um, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't look that high. It has uh, the exact same ride height as a Jeep Grand Grand Cherokee. Yeah, it's like eight point six inches or something crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had one actually in my driveway for a week. It was one of my testers. Uh, the XC Crosstrek's a good car. Like, it 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 was good, but I still have that sort of residual. I don't know, and it's not quite big enough. Um, yeah. I loaded it up. I took my dogs up to the mountains. We went on vacation for a weekend with it, and Putting just enough stuff in it for like a weekend trip with the family and the dogs, like I mean, I was packed to the hilt. Whereas in my Outback, I had I had a we loaded up enough stuff for four people to go camping for a week and a half in the Keys, and I that was that was fine. So I, I want the space of the Outback if I'm going to go back to that, and the XC is just not quite big enough. But it is a good car. Yeah. Well, I think it fits a different market too. Yeah. Fair enough. Um. All right, so we have the prettiest, which, since I'm doing all the audio editing on this exact podcast, is going to be the Alpha. Or not the Alpha, the uh, Maserati. Uh, ugliest, you guys will win. It's two to one. We can say the Jeep is the ugliest car. What do we think is the best enthusiast car of the show? Um, i got to go with, uh, again, with the, the Fiat 695. That thing is absolutely incredible, and it fits the exact enthusiast niche. It's only going to get bought by certain people. Someone who wants a car they can drive to work, but they also want to hit the racetrack without doing any modifications. Um, it is perfectly set up for that specific person. They might only sell 20 of them, but they're going to get those 20 of them sold to the people that need them the most. Okay. Uh, Mark, do you have a choice? You know, I, I, I think I'm going to have to go back with the Alpha. Um, you know, it's... I know it's not quite as good as, say, like a, a Carrera or a Cayman, um, but I think it's it's just so unique that it's it's got this flair to it that, of course, you want to flog it on track. I think that's going to be, you know, at least the 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 two-door coupe bargain basement kind of price. Not bargain basement, but it's a little bit cheaper than, say, a Ferrari or something like that. Um, I think that's what I'm going to have to go with is the Alpha. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, again, think you're both wrong. Um, I'm going to go back to the Infinity. The Infinity oh, Gear 15. Of course. Oh, yeah, well. A GTR-powered G-Sedan is everything that is right with the world. 
Um, they have dropped the dual clutch for seven speed to save fuel, and so it's a little slower, but it'll be nicer to drive. Well, um, you know, I can't get three pedals. I got, I want three pedals, but yeah. You know, I, I still think that Infinity is going to eat BMW's lunch on this. I really do. I think the five is going down. Um, yeah, I mean, if it was my money, I actually had the means, I would have a really hard time choosing an M5 over a GTR-powered G. Like, I just, I just yeah. would. It wouldn't even be a hard time. It would just be, you wouldn't get it. I wouldn't get it either. I wouldn't even think about getting an M5 if, I, if that, the Q50 was just sitting there. Three pedals. Three pedals. It's a sedan, man. It's a full-size big sedan. You don't get three pedals in that, man. Yes, you do. Um, in what Cadillac, fantasy world are you living in? <laughs> Cadillac wagon. VA. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> in, like, what, 2004? <laughs> uh, you could you you can still still buy one today. Um, well, yeah, but, but it's 2004. <laughs> no, they they you have to order them, but you can still get one today. Really? CTS yes. CTS Wagon V still comes with a stick. Yes. Again, they don't have like you have to like basically go to a dealer and be like call GM and be like please please. But yeah, you can still buy one today, and they will still build you one. Um, I think next year is the year that, or I, I think like. Halfway through this year is when that finally stops because they're moving everything over to the new uh, CTS the style, yeah. and we don't have a new wagon yet. But yeah, currently you can still buy one. But like that's my biggest problem with the GTR. Again, I've spent a lot of time behind the wheel of a GTR, and as much fun as it is to just flog down any road in the entire world, nine times out of ten, I would still rather be going a little bit slower and just flopping through the gears myself. Like I have more fun at five-tenths rowing my own than I do balls to the wall at 11-tenths in a GTR with the automatic. I just yeah. I just do in every car that I've driven. And it's like I get in huge arguments with lots of people about this all the time, but um, I had a Cayman S not too long before I had the GTR, and I would buy the Cayman S every single day of the week over the GTR, even if I had the money for it, because it has three pedals. Yeah, the Cayman S is more of a driver's car. Um, yeah. The GTR drives itself. Um, the, the Cayman S is a driver's car, it really is. And I totally agree with you. I couldn't agree more. I'd rather have three pedals than a, than a little shifter on it. All my press cars come with the, the paddle shifters, and I don't like it. I'd rather row my own. Sure, it makes it faster, makes it look cooler like light, but it's not as fun. I'd rather downshift going into the curves and things like that. I don't want to have to just tap a pad. It doesn't feel right, right to me. Right. So call, us, call us old school, but... Right, so so that would be the one thing that would make me pause between getting the GTR-powered Q50 over an M5, but I guarantee you a huge chunk of the market that actually buys these cars would go for the Infiniti. That GTR engine cannot be ignored in any way. And now, yeah. did, uh, did Infiniti say anything about if and when the uh, Q50 is coming out, the Eau Rouge? Eau Rouge? Um, <laughs> I, th I think there's a lot of mixed info on that. For the most part, Everyone's pretty much said like something like this. This is a thing that is going to be built. Uh, we don't have a name yet. We don't have a time frame yet. But yes, this will be a thing. Yeah, so. they that's that's a must, must, must thing. Well, I mean, I think it too. It's going to be really good for for the Nissan brand to have two cars with the same engine because they can they can share costs and for you know the second gen GTR, you know costs are going to come down, just because they can share it between two cars. Yeah, that's huge. Um, yeah, like, I just, everything about that car makes me happy, except for the fact it doesn't have a stick, but nothing, like, that's just not a thing. They don't, they don't sell, the, sell the GTR with one, to be honest. I don't even know if Nissan has a manual transmission anywhere in their portfolio that would handle the power coming out of that. They'd have to outsource it or spend money. So no, no, no. it makes yeah. sense, but that's the only thing that stops that car from being like the best thing in the whole wide universe. Well, the only the only stick that they have is what still in the uh, or sporty stick is still in the the Z, isn't it? Uh, that one still comes with the stick. I can think of. Yeah. Well, yeah. so there's the Z. I don't know if you can still get the G coupe with a stick or not. Yeah. Um, but the there's a stick in the Juke, but that'll. Yeah, that's the thing that's gonna happen. There you go. I would love to see that fly in the Q50. Let's see what yeah. happens. Let's that's... play. How long will it last? You just go to set off, and there's an explosion underneath the car. Boom! That would be fantastic. Um, all right, so that is that is Geneva. We we covered quite a lot. We have kept people's attention for 
Holy man, one whole hour. I hope we didn't get boring. Um, ladies and gentlemen, it's it's been awesome to hang out. Uh, once again, I am Christian Moe. Um, if you wanted to, you could find me on Twitter at M-O-E-F-E-R-D. It's at Moford. I'm joined by Mark McNabb. Mark, did you have a good time? I had a great time, sir. It was it was quite a pleasure talking to you, too. That's very good. Mr. Mark can also be found on Twitter at Mark McNabb, so he's really easy. And, of course, we have been joined by our editor-in-chief, Mr. Justin Coupler. Justin, how are you? Did you have a great time? Uh, it, was a, it was a joy, guys. Uh, let's keep this thing rolling. Uh, if you guys want to talk to me, you can reach me at, at the card junkie on Twitter. It's been a load of fun. Loads and loads of fun. Can't wait to do it again. All right. If you enjoyed the show and you have any questions, comments, or concerns for us, we can all be reached at podcast at topspeed.com. If you have any questions, please send those over as well. We will start doing a Q&A section. That, again, is podcast at topspeed.com. Hope everyone's had a wonderful time. I hope we get to see everybody else here soon. So uh, I guess we'll see you all in about a week. It's been fantastic. <laughs>